welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So I'm preaching a sermon I, I never thought I'd ever preach today because I've heard so many preach on this. And uh, it's funny how in your head, this year for me has been a year of um, opening up things that I never thought I'd open up. For instance, we spoke one Sunday on um, the fruits of the Spirit, something that you hear about in kids' church. I'd never heard about it in church. And God just said, I want you to speak on the fruits of the Spirit. So I did that. Uh, Today I'm preaching on a passage of the Bible that pretty much everyone preaches on. So I've gone the opposite extreme today, one that I, I don't like to, like, I like to be different, so I like to do things that are different and I feel like I'm going against some of my core values, but I just really felt God wanted us to, to open up this passage. So I've got, drum roll please, 17 thoughts on one lot of scripture. I'm a three thought person and I've got 17. So um, this is probably going to be a two part message, but we'll see how we go. So I'm going to be talking on Acts chapter three. Yes, I know, you've heard it before. Here we go. I'm hoping in my 17 thoughts, there's hopefully a couple you've never thought of or heard of. So if I go big, then the chances are I'm going to get somewhere. Here we go. I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 to 10. I'll highlight some of the later parts as I speak, but I'm just going to read this chunk of Scripture. Acts 3, 1 to 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those go- beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked, them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened." How powerful is that passage of Scripture? You know, Acts chapter 2 is the first recorded sermon of the early church. Acts chapter 3, what I just read, is the first recording miracle of the early church. And this year is a theme. We're talking about sent ones. And so we're looking at the first miracle recorded. I just want to... First recorded miracle of the early church. You know, Jesus come, Holy Spirit's... Jesus gone, Holy Spirit's come. They've met as a church, Acts chapter 2. Now they're seeing miracles, Acts chapter 3, to start off their ministry which is pretty cool when you think about it. The first thing, uh, the first thing I want to point out is Peter and John. Peter and John are opposites in personality. You're probably aware of this. Peter is outgoing. He's a doer. He's loud. He's boisterous. He's gregorious. If that's, did I say that right? Gregorious, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. John is the opposite. He's quiet. He's a dreamer. He's a thinker. 
He's a servant. He, he keeps to himself. And so you've got two people here, hand in hand, going off, doing miracles. My point I want to say is, we're all different and we need to do it together. We're all different. And I can look at different personalities and different strengths and different non-strengths and different weaknesses and I can look around and go, why can't they be like me? <laughs> Life would be easy. But that's because God made us uniquely. So together we can do it. Together. And I love that the first recorded miracle of the early church is opposite personalities. It's not two people who are like-minded in nature, who are like each other, who get along, because it's easy to get along with people that are like you. Let's be honest. It's easy to get along with people that are similar. You've got, you know, it's harder to do things because I would be there. I'm probably more like Peter. And if I had a someone like John with me, I would love them, but I'd probably struggle in the sense of, come on, come on, like be a bit noisier. Step out, like, and judge. I know, your pastor just said that they might judge. I know, who is this? But here, the first recorded miracle, we've got opposites in personality. So let's remember to value everyone to value how God made everyone, to value how God created, to see what God sees because God didn't make mistakes. He didn't wake up one day and go, oh, that personality sucks. What was I thinking? No. <laughs> he wakes up every day going, and this I love, and this I love, and this I love. And it was on purpose and on design. So how dare us <laughs> go, that part of that person is pretty... Mm. <laughs> What was God thinking? No, he was thinking, wow. And they need to be a team. And they need to work together. And they need to do it together. Point number one. Thought number one. That's a pretty good one. We can end church now. <laughs> number two. Um, when they did this miracle, it was not a Sabbath. We know that. Because no one then was like, ah, oh, you've done a healing and it's the Sabbath and you're not allowed to do that. Meaning that they weren't going to church on Sunday only. Let's just bring this back to our life today. Is they went to the temple, they went to church on a different time other than Sunday. What does that tell us? It tells us... It tells us a couple of things. Number one, don't be a Sunday-only Christian. Don't be someone who just comes up on a Sunday, ticks a box, does my thing, and that's that. If the disciples knew they had to go more often than a Sunday, that should tell us something. Number two, get into small groups and life groups and meet people and fellowship with people. Fellowship is a big deal. Fellowship is powerful. Fellowship is, is so important. They understood this. Fellowship, they understood how important it was. Whether that is physically coming to the building. The reality is we don't have prayer three o'clock every day of the week like Temple did. 
So how do we appropriate that to our life today? We go, all right, I'm going to join a small group. All right, small group at the moment, I'm struggling, but I'm going to get together with two people and let's pray for each other on the phone and fellowship and encourage each other. Let's do a coffee. Let's meet in person. Outside of Sunday morning, they went to church at a different time than 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Third thought, they were living their everyday life. For them going to temple at that time, going to church at that, can I use the word church? I'm all right here. For them going to church at that time, that was normal for them. That's what they did. That was their life. And so as they're going through their everyday normal life, it's not like they went, all right, let's just wait. Like they were doing their life. The disciples were living. We need to live our life. And in the living, we will see things. In the moments, we will observe and God will show up and God will speak and mm, I'll go on that a bit more soon. But they were living their life and saw opportunities. We need to live our lives and see things and see people and, and observe, observe And stop and take note. The reality is, is God knew that those disciples were going to be going at that place at that time. God knows what we're doing every day. He knows our routine. For some of us, it's very different day to day. For some of us, it's the same every day. But God knows it. He's not surprised if one day we wake up, oh, I think I'll do this today. God's like, yeah, I knew you would. And because I know that's your routine, let me just orchestrate a few little things. Let me just plan a few things. It's so important that we see our life not as a mistake, but we're on purpose. You might go, well, this is just what I do every day. I wake up, get ready, go to work, go shops, come home. Yeah, but do it on purpose. That might be your routine, but still do it on purpose. And if you're not happy with it, change it. Find a new job, move house, do what you've got to do, but do it on purpose because God is with you and there is amazing things when you're doing it with him. This guy, now let's go to the, the beggar. The lame beggar was lame from birth. It says it all in the Bible, so I'm not rereading because time, I'm pushing through. He was lame from birth, meaning he never learnt to walk. <sighs> he was lame from birth, never learnt to walk. I'm going to be honest in a second, a bit vulnerable in a second. He was lame from birth. So when the disciples healed him, and we'll go into that, I'm getting there, but when the disciples healed him, he wasn't just given the gift of now learning to walk because he never once learnt to walk. He's never walked in his life. So it's not like he was a baby, learnt to walk, something happened, can't walk anymore. He never learnt to walk. And so when the disciples healed him, Jesus' name, it's not like all of a sudden they go, okay, now you've got the ability to walk, now start crawling and then start pulling yourself up and then learn to walk. Instantly, he could walk. When God heals and restores, 
He doesn't heal and restore so then you've got to do the work. He heals and restores to far beyond we could even ask. So, Justin and Mark, because youth pastor Mark, I was sharing, Justin, and they're both bald, which Justin wanted me to highlight. (laughs) 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 I stopped praying for someone and a situation because my mental ability could not comprehend if they got healed. I couldn't logically work out if they got healed how they could live their life. So I'll stop praying. And I read this. I went, how dare I? It's not up to me to figure out how a miracle's meant to look or work. It's up to me to bring heaven to earth. So regardless of whether I can logically figure it out or not, that's not my responsibility. This guy had never walked and all of a sudden he's given the instant ability to walk. He's never stood on his feet. His ankle doesn't work. It says that. It's his ankle and his feet don't work. He's never stood. He doesn't know the feeling of what standing feels like. He doesn't know what it feels like to take a step. He's never been able to do it. So in his head, he doesn't know if he, what it feels like. And not only does he stand and take a step, he's leaping and jumping. So God doesn't heal us just to get through. He heals us to the point of complete miracle. That doesn't make sense. So my challenge on this right now is, have you stopped praying for things or given up praying for things because you can't picture how it's going to look or work? And if you have, repent. Say, sorry, Lord. Say sorry and get back in there. I'm not God. You're not God. We don't have to have all the answers. But we do have to know who he is. Fifth thought. The beggar strategically placed himself every day with the help of others at the place of worship, at the temple gates. Ah. All right, can I, just logic. This isn't in the Bible. This is Lee's logical brain thinking here, right? It is known, if you need help, like 80% of charitable work done in Melbourne is done through churches, through Christian organisations, 80%. Christians are charitable. The Jewish people were known for being charitable. So if you're in a point where you need help, where are you going to go? At the gates where the charitable people work, walk. Where people who are gifters, where people who are generous are going to walk you by. So this guy could have sat anywhere in town, off a side street, near some food mart, like carts or whatever. He could have sat anywhere, but he strategically sat himself at a place where people who are generous walk by. Today, we need to sit strategically in places where people who have what we need are walking by. 
You go, I need a healing. Well, go sit strategically with people who have faith for healing. I need provision for finances. Well, sit yourself strategically with people who have breakthrough in finances. I need encouragement. Sit yourself strategically near people who are encouragers. This guy understood the principle decades, thousands of years ago. It's decades. Thousands of years ago, he understood the principle of strategic sitting. We need to understand this. I don't have a mother or a father. Strategically sit yourselves near mothers and fathers. How good's this passage, eh? Sixth thought. Now, I'm going to miss this one. I'm going to bypass it. Seventh thought. I'm going to go back to this one. No, I'm not. Here we go. Yes, I am. Peter and John said to him, look at us. No, no. Peter and John looked straight at him. I don't know about you. I can be an awkward human being. And so when I see people, I don't want to stare at them. I don't know if you're the same. But if you see beggars or you see people asking for help, I never know where to look. Because I don't want to stare. But I still want to help and care. And when I read this and I read that they looked straight at him, They eyeballed him. And I was reminded they're not staring for staring's sake. They're staring because they know what they're about to do. When you stare at people, yeah, it's awkward if you're just staring at them weirdly. Like, don't do that. No one wants a weirdo staring at them. But when you stare at someone with intention, I'm about to change your life. In Jesus' name, it's about... There's nothing uncomfortable about that. Maybe slightly for the person in the moment, but they went, we know our authority. We know what we're about to do. I'm going to stare this guy down because I'm going to give him value. I'm placing value on this. I'm not just going to walk past and "Eh," lay my hands on him. He's going to be healed. No, I'm, I'm seeing him. I am seeing this man in all of his everything going on, in his lame legs, I see him. I'm placing value on him and his life is about to be changed. Let's place value on people, whether they're lame, whether they're at Safeway, whether they're at your job site. Don't stare at random strangers weirdly. But if someone is highlighted, place value on them. Acknowledge them. See them. Speak life over them. If they need a healing, pray for them. Prophesy over them. So Peter and John, they're staring directly at him. And then they say to him, look at us. Look at us. We're seeing you, now look at us. 
pay attention here. See, beggars, they're after the next person who can give them money. So if I'm paying attention at you, I might be missing these people walking by who would be giving me money if I gave them a smile or eyed them down. But if I'm looking at you, I'm going to miss out. So what Peter and John are asking of this guy is, give us your attention and don't worry about anyone else. Don't worry about what you think is missed opportunity. Look at us. Look at us. Are we getting how important this is? So they say, look at us. For us today, (laughs) I'm about to read because the sentence I wrote is phenomenal and I'm not a wordsmith. Are we looking, now us, are we looking for opportunities that we're scared we're going to miss but we're not looking at the one we should be staring at? We need to be staring at the author and perfecter of life, but are we bypassing him because we think these people are better options or they have what we need right now? No. Look at Jesus. We're not going to miss out if we're looking at Jesus. We're not going to be better off if we go for the people and we're missing out. Look at Jesus. Who we are looking at will affect how we will live our life. This beggar, they've asked him to look at them. And if he's looking at the random strangers, he's about to miss out on a miracle here. Who we're looking at is so important. So when Peter and John say to the beggar, look at us. When they're commanding attention, I'm sure the beggar in his head is starting to think, all right, if you're wanting my attention, something big must be coming my way. Because why would you be telling me to look at you and then you just go, eh, eh, and run off? Like, nee, nee, like a little child does sometimes. Not yours or mine, but you know. And so he in his head must be thinking, woohoo, like, all right, I'm looking. I'm not worrying about these people anymore. I'm looking. This must be good. This must be good. And then to hear the words, silver and gold I do not have. Oh, his heart must have crushed at that moment in time. Like you've asked for my attention. You've asked for me to look at you so I'm missing out on everyone else walking past because it's three o'clock and they're all going to prayer. So there's lots of people going to prayer. And you're asking me to look at you and now you say silver and gold I do not have. So now you've got nothing and I've missed out on them and uh. Maybe he didn't think like that. That's certainly how I would have thought. Silver and gold I do not have for him was probably a crushing couple of words. But then comes the most valuable sentence of his life. But we do have, we give you, get up and walk. As, what, as Christians, what we do have is far more valuable than silver and gold. And we need this revelation. Far more valuable. Like I give money to beggars. I gave money last week to a couple of guys sitting at the exit of Frankston Shopping Centre. 
but what I have is far more valuable than money. So I'm just being honest. It was two guys that were quite rough and I didn't feel very safe to minister and that was a bit of a, so I'll give you my money and I need to grow in confidence because God can still protect me and there's wisdom and I'm still working through that if I'm completely honest. So I gave them money but we need to know what we carry. It's far greater than money. Ready for my big statements? And I'm going to end after these big statements. Maybe one more. It is not the church's role. Church, not building people, you and I, we're the church. It's not the church's role to make people's lives more bearable. It is our job to release heaven on earth. Money was only going to make that day bearable for the lame man. It was only going to get him through the day. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to bring heaven to earth. Do we still feed people? Absolutely. Like we have a whole program that I oversee with Moy that feeds people. We're not going to shut it down. But that's not our sole role and purpose. What I do have, I give you, heaven to earth. Massive statement number two. Our low expectations of what can do can rob us. We can settle. This is talking about us. We can settle for far less than what God wants to give us. That's just you and I. Let's just, you know, think about our lives. We need to pray prayers that only God can answer because we can settle for far less. Like this guy was asking for money and would have settled for money. But God wanted to do far more than that. For our lives, what are we pressing in for? Are we settling? For work, are we settling? For relationships, are we settling? For our own life, are we settling? Because my God lives a big life and he wants me to have life and life more abundantly. Am I living that life more abundantly? Or am I settling? This year has been the hardest year of my life. Justin's aware, we're aware. Hardest year of my life, by far. No questions about it. And I preached during COVID a message. Couldn't tell you anything about the message. I forget. After I preach this, I'll completely forget about it. I remember the points that God wants in here for me, but I don't remember what I say half the time. But I remember this part of the message. I remember going, God wants my marriage. God wants every marriage to be the best we're settling for mediocre marriage we've missed the point of marriage this year has not we're not getting divorced we're all good but I have to fight with my attitude because some days is hard some days is hard is is this okay some days is hard like we know Justin's going through ADHD we're getting he got the diagnosis we start medication soon he can't emotionally regulate he can't irregulate his emotions So sometimes it's hard. And I go, hang on, God wants me to have the best marriage ever. That's what he died on the cross for. That's the life that he wants me to have. So I choose to walk how God asked me to walk. Not asks me, but how he's created me to walk. Am I succeeding every day? No, just, 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 I'll tell you, no. 
<laughs> but that's what the, what the goal is, isn't it? That's the goal. God's best for our lives and not settling for second best. I have started, I don't know if you're like this, doing this one. Just started doing this. Just started. 39, too early. So every day when I read, God, I thank you, you made my eyesight. God, I thank you that you know exactly what's going on in here. And I speak 2020 vision over my eyes. That's not a go. If you're wearing glasses, I'm not having a go. That's just me. It's not that I don't want glasses. Bella thinks glasses are amazing. She asks for them. <laughs> you don't need glasses, Bella. I'm like, I don't want to spend money on glasses. I know, so superficial. It's just money. Who cares? Yeah, I know. I don't want to spend money on glasses. God, thank you. You created my eyes. I'm going after far more. Why? Because that's who my God is. That's who my God is. Can I do one more? Yeah. All right, one more. Last one. I'm going to go back. I'll probably forget about the others. This one I want to do on. This one I had theological discussions with my father over. The disciples are going to the temple at the time of prayer. This guy was placed at the gate day after day after day. I don't know if you've ever thought this before. I thought it for the first time this week. The chances are the disciples have seen him time and time and time again. They've seen him before. And they've walked past him before. Maybe they gave him money. Maybe they were, you know, other people distracted them. I don't know. But the disciples didn't wake up one day going, oh, it's a good idea to go to temple. I'll do that today. No, that's what they did. And the Bible says the lame man was there day after day. I want to finish on this point. If you've walked past people before, it's all right. Next time, give them what you've got. Next time. Don't use it as an excuse of, oh, well, I'll just, there they are again, I'll keep walking. Next time. And then we sang the song today, Come Rest On Us. And this morning driving here, I was listening to a podcast. And so we know Holy Spirit's always in, within, always. Doesn't leave us. Holy Spirit never leaves us. Holy Spirit can fill a room. Holy Spirit can do a whole lot of stuff. But he's always in us and he's always... A so when we sing, come rest on us, Holy Spirit's already here. Mm, he's already here. So we sing, come rest on us. So the Holy Spirit's within us for our sake. But he comes upon us for others. So when I'm here singing, come rest on us or come rest on me, it's not that I go, well, Holy Spirit's left me now. I'm asking him to come back. No, 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 no. He's never left me. He's always here. But when I'm singing, come rest on me, I'm awakening my, okay, you're coming upon me. It's not that you've left, but because I am going out and I'm going to see heaven on earth over people's lives. 
that revelation there is massive. Massive. So the disciples, Jesus has been with them. They've done ministry. Jesus dies. Holy Spirit comes. They preach their first message. So now they've got Holy Spirit within and Holy Spirit upon. So now they've missed. They haven't prayed for this guy before. They haven't done this before. But now's their time where Holy Spirit's within and upon So now they see him. This is what I like to believe. I could be wrong, but just go with me on this. Now I want to believe that all of a sudden their revelation of who Holy Spirit is a power, because they ministered with Jesus. But all of a sudden they have the confidence and the boldness to see this guy healed at this point in time after they've just preached the first sermon as the early church without Jesus. Holy Spirit came upon and now they go see a miracle. So when we sing songs like, come rest on us, it's not because he's left us. He hasn't left us. It's because I'm saying, come rest on me, God, because when I leave this building, when I live my day-to-day life, when I go to the shops, when I do what I do, I want to see your kingdom released. I want to see people healed, lives changed, salvation come. I want to see this. So I need you to be upon me. And I need to be aware that you're upon me. So God, right now, (laughs) I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in the room, that you're in us. I thank you that you're upon us. I thank you that you're resting on us. I just pray for Echo Church. Actually, let's all stand. I just pray for Echo Church, God, that this week, We're aware that you're on us. We're aware of your presence. We're aware that what we have is far greater than silver and gold. That nothing is by chance or a mistake, but as we live our everyday life, God, that people need what we have. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, God, that you, that you chose to partner with us to see heaven on earth. So we declare this week a week of awakening and a week of miracles. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That we're not going <laughs> to limit what you can do in and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I have the um, prayer team come up? Awesome. I just want to encourage you this morning to um, this week when you read your Bible, to meditate and sit on it. Because when I, the last few days have just been reading and reading and reading and reading. I mean, I haven't heard half this stuff before. And I've heard people preach on this passage thousands of times. Okay, maybe not thousands. Heaps of times. The Bible is always, God is always speaking and revealing new things. Always. I remember when I was in school, I'm going to finish with this thought. I remember when I was in school and I had a teacher. I went to Flinders Christian Community College and I was in year eight and I sat there with my geography teacher. 
And he knew I was a pastor's kid. He knew I went to church and we were just talking. I said, what church do you go to? Because, you know, I'm in year eight. All I've known is how amazing Christianity is, how amazing church is, how amazing God is. And so I said to him, what church do you go to? He goes, oh, I'm in between churches. I said, oh, okay. He goes, I've just heard it all before. Like, I just keep going to church and I've heard it all before. And my year eight brain, so I would have been 13 at the time, maybe 14, went, that is so sad that you think you've heard it all before. I understood how sad that was at a young age. We've never going to get to the point where we've heard it all this side of eternity. So let's get excited when we read Acts chapter 3 for the thousandth time because God wants to open it up to us. Is that all right? This week, read some of the passages that you've read thousands of times and let God open it up.